Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 304, Evolve Alongside Your Gifts with Carol Lynn Pearson. Today, I get to introduce you to one of my heroes. I call her Miss Carolyn usually, but her full name, of course, as you heard at the beginning, is Carolyn Pearson. And many of you will be familiar with her as she is a bold matriarch and respected poet in my religious faith. And many of you will not know Carolyn, but this interview will help you see what it is to be a woman, both advanced in years and personal power. Carolyn knows who she is, and her living that out is a gift to all of us. I know you're going to experience that in this interview. Now, I first met Carolyn in my congregation in Northern California over eight years ago. At that point of my life, I was at the lowest low spiritually than I'd ever experienced before. I was in complete turmoil over my relationship with God and wondering where I fit in as a woman specifically. And as part of that, I really ached for a heavenly mother to guide me. But no one really spoke of those things. And you can hear more about this in some episodes I did on my faith crises. Now, early on into living in our new congregation, we gathered in our women's meeting, which is usually the third hour of church um, when we had it for three hours, right? Um, and we were talking about God's nature and different women were raising their hands to share the virtues and qualities that they saw as exemplary of God. And I was loving what they were sharing, but I just felt like a strong push to share what I saw in that. And so I rose my hand in a way that was not my norm at the time. And I timidly spoke of how I felt that all the female qualities I saw in myself and saw in nature surely connected me back to God, but more specifically, a mother God, a female God. And when I said that, a woman sitting in the row in front of me who had strikingly beautiful gray hair snapped around 
and stared at me intensely. And in that moment, I wondered, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Perhaps it was too bold or even controversial. And maybe it was safer to continue to keep the thoughts I was having to myself. But that same woman came to me later on, and funnily enough, we were in the bathroom, and she struck up a conversation with me as we washed our hands, and she asked me more about my thoughts on what I had brought up earlier in the women's meeting, and she so thoughtfully and lovingly let me talk. Now, I didn't find out for months that this woman, Carolyn Pearson, Sister Pearson, as I called her at church, was a woman that was highly regarded in my congregation and in my local area. But some abroad in my faith um, regarded her a little differently than I saw locally. They saw Carolyn more as revolutionary, but not in a nice way. Now, over the years, I spent hours talking with Carolyn during Sunday school in the nursing lounge while I nursed one baby after another, and she rocked away in a chair next to me. And 90% of the time, I saw a powerful woman who listened. She listened to me. When my youngest was less than two weeks old and recovering from an emergency surgery and we were in the PICU with him, I got a voicemail from Carolyn saying that she would love to come to the hospital and rub my feet and massage my head so that I could rest from my worries and trauma. And over and over again, I saw her serve and serve and serve all those within our congregation and way beyond. Now, Carolyn knows a thing or two about the hardships of life. She lost her mother at 15, her former husband to AIDS while she was still a young mother herself and an adult daughter far too soon. Let me tell you why Carolyn is here today. She is woman personified. She has power, gifts, and a desire to use them for good. As a poet, a writer, playwright, actress, and matriarch, she has taken the seeds that have been sprinkled throughout her life, and she's allowed them to take root and to grow into different shapes at different times, and she has evolved alongside her gifts. Carolyn is now 81 years old and recently released the most divine book of poetry called Finding Mother God, an interfaith book on poems to heal the world. I have bought over 20 copies of this myself, and I have delivered them to as many friends as I can think of. It has been that impactful for me. Now, what is most remarkable about this is that Carolyn did this after years of not writing poetry. In this podcast, we are going, you know, the last two months of this year, we are speaking about the theme, never too late. And I believe that many of us listening think it's too late to figure out what our gifts are and how to develop them and how to grow alongside them. This doesn't need to be the case. Carolyn has some strong messages for you about that, that you do have seeds of gifts, that you must plant and nourish them, allow them to blossom, and then marvel in them. Together, we are going to help you today to learn how to uncover those seeds and to evolve with them the blossoming gifts that you have into the person you are meant to become. And as Carolyn says in this interview, it starts with a single belief we can all carry. I am important. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I don't want you to just listen to this show. I want it to change you. This community of progressors empowers women to take on radical growth via sustainable changes. Are you motivated and ready to grow in your identity, purpose, and productivity? You can when you remember that life is about progress, not perfection. 
I know that you are not accustomed to having an intro that is this long, but I had to set the scene. I had to tell you more about who Carolyn is and why she matters so much to me. I hope you hear that throughout this episode and that you really are present to hear what this wise woman has to teach all of us. And if you, if you could stay tuned at the very end, after I do my little send off and everything, I'll share Carolyn reading a poem that she wrote with my name in it. And it came from those hours we spent in the nursing mother's lounge together. And I'm so honored about it. And I was a little sheepish about it, but I did ask her to just record it for me. Um, so I could have, and she wrote me afterward and said very strongly that we needed to have it on the episode as well. So it will be there for you. I'm so excited to introduce you to Carolyn Pearson. Welcome to the show, Miss Carolyn. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much, Monica. I'm thrilled to be on your show. You are someone who is absolutely a hero in my life. And I know a hero in many, many women's lives because of not for what you just stood for, which was, has been so needed, but also for who you are and how you've used your gifts and your talents to lift up and help others. But also I see in you this beautiful evolution of your, of who you were growing up into who you were as an adult and to who you are now as this matriarch I see, um, for more than just a few people. So how about let's back up a little bit and just if you can give us a little overview of what that's been like for you to evolve in your gifts. An old, old friend from fourth grade tells me that, that she heard me say once that I want to be a writer like Shakespeare. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I do not remember that. But I, what I do remember is that in high school, uh, I wrote my first poem in an English class and it, it was not very good at all. But I, I just kept <laughs> writing. I have a file now labeled poetry, really, really bad, and a file labeled poetry, not quite so bad. And then, <laughs> and then I started writing things that I felt were worth, worth doing and worth keeping. So uh, as I have mentioned so many times, I got my start as a writer because I married Gerald Pearson, mm-hmm. who happened to be a gay man, and people who know my story understand that. Uh, yes. But his major gift to me, besides our four children, was that he he fell in love with, well, he loved me personally just as much as he possibly could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he loved my, these little poems that I was sharing with him even be, before we got married. And he said, we're going to publish those. We're going to publish them. So after our, after our uh, marriage, we, we went up to Salt Lake to see who would be first in line to publish these little poems. And of course, nobody wants to publish poetry. So he said, um, I can do it. All you have to do to be a publisher is you just have to have a little money. So we borrowed $2,000 from BYU Credit Union, where I was working for the uh, motion picture studio at that time. Yeah. And he engineered creating this, this lovely book of poems called Beginnings. Mm-hmm. And to our astonishment, it just started to sell like crazy. And, you know, this was in the, in the Mormon market. And I, I guess I just happened to hit the, the need at the right time. Yes. And, and this just sold hugely. And so that set the, the stage for everything else. And, and from our little publishing company, then we published a few more books of mine a couple of poetry books. And then I was always, always, always interested in women's stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I wrote a book called Daughters of Light, 
his the um, looking at some of the experiences of the spiritual experiences of early Mormon women and the flight in the nest, looking at what the Utah women were doing around women's issues during the time of working for suffrage and all of that. So anyway, I what we found was that people bought my writing. And so that really was our, our major income. And happily for me throughout my entire career, I've been able to write both for love, for, for enthusiasm about what I was writing about, and also to bring in an income. Because for those who do not know my story, after um, eight years of marriage and four children and uh, we we both learned that that what we'd been promised had not happened that Gerald was still gay and mm -hmm. that this was not going to work forever mm -hmm. uh, we moved from Provo to the Bay Area mm -hmm. and um, remained very good we divorced after uh, four years of trying really hard to figure out how to save the marriage and uh, Six years after that, uh, my husband, Gerald, passed away from AIDS. Mm -hmm. And that was my home where I was caring for him. So I wrote that into a book called Goodbye, I Love You, which I never thought I would do. But that opened up a whole new vista for me in writing and, and was the first thing really in our community to open a, a, a compassionate conversations about LGBT people. Mm -hmm. So that, in a nutshell, is, is my writing history. Yes. And I just have to put in a plug there for all of what you just referenced as your work. But in particular, Goodbye, I Love You has a special place in my heart. When I was going through a really hard time, I took the whole mm -hmm. day off. And, you know, Brad just took the kids. I don't know what they did that day. This was years ago. And I just sat on my bed or laid on my bed and I read it all day. And it was exactly what I needed, not because I had the same experience as you, but because I felt the connection for the seeds that had inspired and propelled you forward in developing and sharing your gifts were seeds in me and interests that I had too. And it felt miraculous to see that in someone else and to see how yeah. she had given herself license to evolve and to cultivate those gifts. And I know they've taken many different shapes for you. I know, I mean, beyond being a writer and a poet, you've also been a performer, you've been a screenwriter, uh, anything else you can think of in that regard of how these have evolved and taken different shapes? Well, um, see, I have a master's degree in theater. Mm -hmm. And so I love theater. And you, you sort of mentioned um, my one woman play, Mother Wolf of the Morning, which mm -hmm. I performed over 300 times, playing 16 women throughout uh, 16 women throughout history in search of the female face of God. And so theater is, is, is a great love of mine. And um, uh, about 15 years ago, I, I wrote a play um, called Facing East, the story of an upstanding Mormon couple dating with the suicide of their gay son. Mm -hmm. So I have worked in a whole lot of different genres. And uh, see, I, I get this is kind of a full circle story that we're doing here because yes. I started out writing these simple little poems, and I, I hadn't written poetry for years, really. I actually have, I think, five volumes of poetry that are all out of print now. Um, 
but for whatever reason, and there are plenty of reasons, because I have always, always had on the front burner of my mind that women need to have a more central place in everything, certainly in religion, certainly in our view of heaven. Mm-hmm. And so somehow that, that always um, theme that was running through my head, and I thought I had done everything I could do about that with Mother Wolf of Morning. But, you know, things happened. And a couple of years ago, <laughs> I was set on fire, Miss Monica. Yes, you were. I was set on fire with the need that I saw that we were not doing enough to invite back into the family circle, in society, in religion, in my religion, everywhere. Uh, the, the revisioning of God, which I think is essential to see God as a perfect combination of maleness and femaleness. And so, I, to, to my astonishment, I reached for a, for a notebook and I started writing poems. And I, and I wrote the first poem. And then the next day I wrote another one. The next day I wrote three. And then I just kept writing because I found that, that all of these ideas that I had could be structured into a poem. They didn't need to be long like a play. They didn't need to be long like a book you know, like uh, the ghost of eternal polygamy could not have been done in, in a poem. And that's yes. a very important book if people are interested in that. So I, I, I just kept writing. And then when I had, what, 72 poems, I sent them to a publisher that I had worked with before on a number of things. And they said, okay, okay, this is kind of a gamble because we don't do poetry. In general, people don't do poetry. But We'll, we'll take a risk with you. So they did, and they're thrilled that the, the response that, we, that we've had so far. Well, and, and I am thrilled with the response I, that we've had. It's, it's hard to put into words how much this book means to me. And, and for those who, of you who are listening, it's Finding Mother God. And the subtitle says Poems to Heal the World. And I, I love poetry, but I'm not one to usually curl up with a book of poetry. And I have been with this book. I've been reading it over and over and over again. Um, I think it would be great to hear one of these poems just read from the source. You have the, the most magical performing reading voice. Because I'm going to forget, let me tell your people that uh, the audiobook of this is just out now, uh, of me reading all of these poems. So anybody I didn't who, know that. That's great. Wants, yeah, you can find it wherever you get your audiobooks. So I think that you said that you wanted me to start with this very first one. Let's start with that one too, because to me, this exemplifies how you view your own gift. And, and how you see it um, as something to carry out our purpose and a mission, and it's not about you. So yes, let's read that one first. My words. These are only poems, you know. They have no authority, except for me. I am bound by their authority because I authored them, rather like God authored me. God signed sealed and delivered me to this world of thought, this world of paper and pen, and sentenced me to observe. 
as God's signature is upon me, so is mine upon my words. As God's light flows to me and through me, so does mine through my words. And words are windows, and the view is stunning, and the view is without end. Beautiful. I love so much about this poem to me. It's, you know, God's light flows to me and through me. I think a lot of women, I want to, you know, tie this into what the audience might be thinking right now is when they're considering their own gifts, they make it mean too much about them, but not in like the boastful way, more of the negative way. Like, who am I to do this? I'm not good enough. I'm not so-and-so. I don't have the expertise or the education or the money or the time. Who am I? And what I've seen you live out is just seeing this. It's, it's not about you. It's about what's flowing through you. And how, how do you think that can apply to the women who are right now listening to this and thinking, I don't even know how to consider what my gifts are or how to lean into them. Where, where do I even start? Yeah. Well, let's see. Women in general have been, we've been kind of taught to minimize who we are. We've been given, I mean, the, the wonderful opportunities of motherhood and of family and of, of work in organizations like, like church and, and um, civic organizations and all of that, we have been encouraged and honored for doing that. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a way because the world needs it. The world needs a little less masculinity and a little more femininity. I think we can see that as we watch what's happening across the entire globe. Mm. So whatever it is that a woman has a little bit of enthusiasm, maybe combined with a little anxiety, but, oh, I wish I could do this. Or, mm. or I, I think I could, I could make an imprint this way. Oh, but I'm, but I, I, I know I can't. We, we don't. I don't have the opportunity, we don't have the money, I don't have whatever. Well, you know, to, to understand that every one of us is, I mean, some of the, the poems I utilize this, this image more, we are a thought of God. I mean, we, in, in, in my church, of course, you know, we talk about, I, I am a child of God. And I have a poem in here that says, you know, then I, I came to become a, a grown-up of God. But, but I also love some of the ways that I utilize the thought in here that God thought us up. We are thoughts of God. And, and our thinking is, is totally connected to God's thinking. And whenever we think something that is good we are thinking something that is god Hmm. because god and good are pretty much the same word altogether so i guess i just want to say to your to your listeners especially the, the the women listeners that that there's been a lot planted within you and you know we have seasons See, I, I sort of had to combine my seasons mm-hmm. and, and 
and, and that's fine if, if you're able to do that or if you have to do that. Uh, but don't feel guilty if you have a season right now that is pretty much 100% being a family person. That is not to be uh, dishonored at all. But even, you know, sometimes I think, especially during the times when a woman is so deeply involved with children, with a husband, that that time maybe is the, the primary time that she needs some kind of a different little window to open, mm-hmm. a little path to give her something to, to, to help fuel so that she doesn't just get empty. You know, you can just give, give, give until you're sort of empty. Mm. But to, to maybe demand that, you, that this window that you know that you have, that you need, that this window can be opened and that you can spend an hour or two a day or, or, or half a day every week or whatever it is, you deserve that. Not only do you deserve it, but your family needs it. Mm-hmm. Your family needs a wife and a mother who is bringing new waves of thinking and of freshness into, in, in, into the household by being part of the outside world. There's that, plus there's just, there's just this tremendous need to be me. Mm. Never mind what it will be doing for my children. Never mind what it will be doing for my husband. What will it be doing for me personally? That is not a selfish thing. That will spill over to all the other relationships in your life. But it will also just be to your own primary individual advantage and, and not only just because in some decades you're going to be without your children, or then and then what am I going to do? But there is that, but that's also an additional thing. The, the, the primary route that I want to talk about here is that, that each woman, individual, needs just for herself, never mind anybody else that exists on the planet, just for herself to be saying, what am I really thinking right now? How, how are my thoughts interacting with what's going on in the world? Maybe I do want to write a simple little verse about that. Maybe I want to write a story. Maybe I just want to write an essay. Maybe I just want to start keeping my diary mm-hmm. and writing the truth about what I'm thinking and feeling. That my diary as it stands now has not avoided any important thing that has ever happened to me or any important thought that I've ever had. And I want to encourage people to to, to be brave enough to write and and to know that if you leave diaries to your family, they they will probably be glad to know that sometimes you were so distressed, you thought you could not get through the day. Yes. But yet you did. Mm -hmm. Somehow you did. So enough about that. But, but really, every woman listening has within her, within you, the, the seeds that were planted by your mother and father God 
that are just your own special personality and your your own gifts to give. Um, my jaw almost dropped when you just said that last sentence because that's what I have in giant letters written on my notebook circled that I wanted to talk to you about next seeds, seeds. And I I think that's what women are missing out on. When you talk about diary writing or giving yourself space, what you're really saying is give yourself permission to look for the seeds, give yourself permission to nourish those seeds and see what they blossom into. And it might take different shapes and form depending on the time and season you're in as it has for you, but giving yourself that space is vital. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 first of all, even before that, to say, I am important. Mm-hmm. I am important. Mm-hmm. Even though I've never been given some big award somewhere or whatever, I am important because I exist and because I think and because I feel and because I want to connect. When did you start feeling that way about yourself? <laughs> oh, golly. I don't know. I, I was always kind of in there wanting to, wanting to do things. I remember I, my, my first big writing success was in fourth grade when I won $4 in a mm. school district essay contest out in Gusher, Utah for an, an essay on why we should eat a better breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Somehow, somehow, I always thought, I'm somebody. I, I can do something. Hmm. I, I can write an essay. So somehow, and I don't ask me how, I, I always thought, I'm somebody. Which is what brings us to the idea that why are girls looked upon as not as important as boys? This occurred to me preteen, way preteen, looking around and saying, how come everything important being done around you on the radio, at church, on, on the, the, the stand at church, only men are up there. How come you know, the higher you go, the more it's just men? How come God is male? I couldn't quite articulate that until I was into adolescence. Mm-hmm. It was always, always there. So anyway. What so I'm that saying, was a seed. That was a seed for you from very early on, which is why I enjoyed reading Goodbye, I Love You So Much, because I could see those seeds that were so planted firmly in you at a young age. And, and you know, we talked about going coming full circle. That's what you've been doing with this book is coming full circle with those seeds that you've had from a young age about womanhood and yeah. even motherhood and the mother God. I, I would actually love for you to read um, your your poem, A God Who Looks Like Me. Uh, I think that really yes. exemplifies that yes, seed. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. <clears throat> A God who looks like me. I studied the drawings and the statues and the words marked God, hoping to find a face that looks like me, a female face. But they all looked like my brothers. And I love my brothers, but... It's like finding an empty stocking on Christmas morning and wondering why I have not been good enough, not good enough to look like God, but not wanting to spoil the celebration for my brothers who never notice. A voice said, come to the grove. At the grove, there is always a God who looks like you. 
I went to the grove. And there were ribbon streams that flowed and curved, and there were trees stately in long green gowns that waved in the wind. A voyage come to the pool. I went to the pool, and I knelt and peered into the water, still as a mirror, still as a moon, and I saw the image of God. There was one face, and then the face became two, like when you stare with soft vision. And one of the faces looked like me. She said, it is wonderful to see you seeing me. He said, I am so sorry. It never was intended that she be erased. Mistakes were made. Then she said, bless you for searching until you found me. And do forgive your brothers for they knew not what they did. But I knew and I know and I weep. You and I are half of heaven. And to forget that is a curse in the land. Then he said, go, tell it on the mountain. <laughs> but, but this is only a poem, I said. Then go read it on the mountain. And then the two faces became one again. A, a question, if I may, I said hesitantly, are you two? Or are you one? The water shimmered, and I heard a choral reading of soprano and tenor and smile. We are one that is two, and two that are one. How can that be? He said, the solitary one is primordial, but often useless. Imagine that buck without the doe. Imagine this H2 without the O. She added, or distance without time, or the occasional essential rhyme. Then both. We do arithmetic differently here a soft and rippling laugh like a kiss as the face in the pool in the grove disappeared i would love to know what it was like to write these these poems to come full circle from you know what concerned you at such a young age and how you evolved and what you thought and felt about it, as well as your evolution with gifts and coming back full circle to poetry. What was it like writing this book? Oh, it was, it was awesome. I just loved it. And, and I, I have sort of confessed that I, I began writing this book out of anger and have anger of how little we have done to rectify our motherless house. And one of the poems in here is called uh, The Motherless House. But so, so I started writing 
really, truly, I was fueled by anger. And then all of that anger dropped away. And, and I, I need to tell anybody who's listening that you do not find anger in this book, really. You find a little bit of sauce, sauciness. But, um, and some of these poems are very funny, actually. They'll make you they really are. They'll make you laugh. Maybe we can find one yes. that does that. But, but they, the anger dissolved. And I found that I was just celebrating all these ideas that kept coming, mm. coming, and coming. And of course, I had lived with this subject for decades. So I didn't have to start from scratch about what do you think about this and this and this. Just new ways of looking at it. New little insights. New concrete ways to find an image to put it in a, a, a new way that, that, that really made somebody say, oh, yeah, now I get it. Um, that's, when I found myself doing that, it, it was just a matter of celebration that, that, I, that, I, that I could do this because I loved, I just loved these words. And, and so I, I have now about four notebooks just filled up with scribbling. And as I, as I talk about in one poem here, I, I kept a, a notebook on the pillow, uh, the, the empty pillow in my queen size bed. Mm -hmm. And if, if I would, sometimes I would find some word that I didn't want to forget or an idea, I would just reach over and scribble, scribble, scribble. But I would, I would get my work done for the day and then know that I could just have this wonderful time to, of, uh, of writing these poems. So I, I pull out the, the kernel that I had been working with and just start playing with it. And sometimes, you know, just toss away a line. Often, I'll begin again. And, but but I, it was just delicious. So I'm, I'm telling everybody here that whatever is delicious to you, that's what you've got to do. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. And any, anyone can do that. Anyone. Oh, yeah. And everyone should. And th in fact, this helps me. One of the things it's connecting some dots for me right now is one of the reasons why you are someone that means so much to me is because of your powerful presence, because you are a woman who knows who she is and there's power in that. And I think that's also because of what we've talked about. You've given yourself space and permission to create and to cultivate who you are and to develop yourself. And that's something I aspire to. And I want our listeners to as well. And I thought it would be really lovely to hear the poem on page 135 um, entitled power, because that's what I see in you. And that's what I want to see in the women who are listening today. Okay. Power. When she learned that she didn't have to plug into someone or something like a toaster into a wall. When she learned that she was a windmill and had only to raise her arms to catch the universal whisper and turn, 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 she moved. Oh, she moved, and her dance was a marvel. 
Mm-hmm. You are a marvel, Miss Carolyn. Oh, well, thank you. And, and Monica, you are certainly a marvel. And the deal is that everybody listening is, is a marvel too. And everybody here has power. Now, uh, listen, I don't want anybody to think that I have not had and do not have now my own personal insecurities. Mm-hmm. In high school, mm-hmm. I was not one of the popular kids. I was one of the brains and I had acne. And my mother died while I was in high school. I had a mm-hmm. lot to deal with. Um, but, and, and so you know, in high school, I, I, I moved in the, the direction that I felt moved to from my own self. And that was in the, the, the drama department. And, and then a little bit later, the, the writing. And then the, see, I wanted to be an actress for a long, long, long time, but I'm in no way good enough for that, uh, to do that professionally. Hmm. But what I'm saying is that the doors that opened for me were the writing doors. And so I, I think that everybody, take what you love, take what it makes you enthusiastic, take what's delicious to you, and try to open a door in that direction. And if that, well, if, if that door doesn't open, then knock on five other different doors and one of them will open hmm. and you'll go through that door and then you'll knock on maybe 10 different doors and one of them will open and then you'll go through that one. Yes. So it's, it's kind of a process of finding where your enthusiasm is going to fit. Hmm. And I love that. And, and maybe... Go ahead. And maybe you'll be the one who who will dev- invent a brand new door that nobody has ever opened before. You know, so don't be, don't just be limited by the doors that are already in front of you. I mean, we, firstly, we have to go through those doors. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, the way I'd love to, to end this interview is to just hear from you. Have you ever felt, I mean, I'm grateful that you would share about your own evolution this way and how that's come from door after door after door, as well as your evolution away from your insecurities. But there are a lot of women who think it's too late. It's too late to do any of these things we've talked about today. Have you ever felt that way? And if not, or if so, what would you think now about that, that sentiment that it's too late? No, I've never felt that way. <laughs> I think that's one of your biggest gifts. But tell us, tell us why. <laughs> Which may be surprising because in September I turned 81. It's incredible. And, and I know I, I still pass for 80. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wrote all of these poems, you know, yeah. in, in my later years. And um, so... No, it's it's really, it's, it's just not too late to do something about what you want to do. I mean, maybe it's too late to, to build an entire career hmm. on something that you have ignored for, say, 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm. But it's not too late to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Do something. I'm yet again you know, just I, smiling big because did you know this is a big motto in our community? Do something. Yep. What? Let's just do something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is right. amazing. And we can all do something. 
And the, the, the deal is that not, not only do we need to get ourselves unclogged, because it's, it's not fun to be all clogged up, but, <laughs> but something that we have to give will be of some value to somebody somewhere. You know, and even if, if you have your private little Facebook page and, and you want to write a little verse and you, 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 you think it's probably not going to ever be picked up and published by the New York Times, uh, it'll, it'll mean something to somebody. And she'll say, wow, you, you actually wrote a little poem. That's fun. But I bet I could do that. Or, or I've always, maybe I'll get back to my singing Maybe I'll, maybe I'll run for the school district mm -hmm. because we don't want to be just like men out there. We need to bring what is uniquely female and, and women have been the hearth keepers forever and ever and ever. And the public place needs our private hearth to come and give it warmth. Absolutely. Carolyn, thank you for inspiring us in more ways than one for being here today. Um, I always like to end each interview just asking what you are working on with your own personal development or your own personal growth right now. What are you working on? Um, right now, I'm doing a great deal of promotion of this book, which takes up a lot of my time, which yes. is was wonderful because it's, 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 it needs to be done. And I love, I love doing it. And I'm finding wonderful response, you know, from a lot of women out in the interfaith community, because this is not, you know, just something that that my church and your church has. But it, it, this is a, a universal theme. So, so that's what I'm doing, and I'm I'm also, oh, doing all of these mundane things of getting my life cleaned up, so that sometime when I decide to lie down and die, I can do that with all of all of the junk, you know, handled, all of the paperwork done and and I, I continue to do most days I do my my half hour uh, walk run up the hill yes you remember that hill yes I do I saw you often on it I, I'm doing all of those things that keep my interest high and keep my body going as, as well as it's going and it, my, my body is going still very well right now I love speaking to your people and I just want to encourage yeah. them to to find their own enthusiasm and run with it. Same here, Carolyn. This is exactly why I was so honored that you accepted my invitation to be on the show. I would love to encourage people to check out all your writing, but especially Finding Mother God, and we will link to that in the show notes. Thank you very much for being oh, here. Thank you for inviting me, and I, I will love it to know that some of your people are purchasing this book. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. It was such an honor to have my hero on the show, and I'm sure you loved her just as much as I do. While you were listening, did a friend come to mind who you thought, man, they would really like this? Can you do me a favor and share this episode with them? Just shoot them a text and tell them why they need to listen, because I believe that the goodness we experience in this community should not just stay in this community. I'd now like to share the progress pointers from this episode. This is where I tell you the notes that I took so you don't have to. Number one, look for the seeds. What interests you, excites you, sets you on fire, makes you curious, or even a little anxious to try. Two, your gifts aren't about you. They are about what can flow through you. Three, women are often taught to minimize who they are. Four, our gifts are 
are our thoughts that are connected to God's thoughts. Five, there has been a lot planted in you. There are seasons to give into that blossoming. Six, if you give, give, give until you're empty, you need to refuel. Seven, there's a tremendous need to be me. This is not being selfish. Eight, believe I am important. Nine, follow your instincts, work with what you have, celebrate what you are and who you are, and marvel in what you become. And 10, there are a series of doors waiting for you to open them. My goodness, what a tremendous gift this episode has been to all of us. I've been thinking a lot about how sometimes what stops us is thinking that we need to have a destination or an outcome or a success parameter in mind in order to start something. And that often gets in the way of us actually starting because we are thinking, oh, I have to know where this is going. And what Carolyn has taught me is that doesn't need to be the case. We just need to start and work on the seeds that keep coming to us and for one, start noticing them and then just allow them to take root and blossom. Now, later this week, I'm going to share a growth spurt about times and seasons, because as Carolyn brought up, this is important. It's okay to lean into the season you are in right now, but at the same time, it doesn't mean you have to disregard the seeds of gifts that you do have. I think that's my own personal thoughts that I wanted to share with you. Um, I wanted to remind you that we would love to have you in the Strive Hive. This is where we do something to strive for daily progress. It is such a fun and motivating community. We get a lot done there, but it's all in the spirit of a can-do attitude. And we really love each other and support each other. We have weekly uh, discussions on the episodes. We have monthly masterclasses, uh, bi-monthly book club, and so much more. But it's all to help you lean into the messy middle that you need so that you can have growth in your life. Go to aboutprogress.com forward slash strive hive to join us before the 14th and the doors close. And if you are looking on there after the 14th, there's a wait list for you to sign up for the next month. I'm really excited for what we're going to do in the strive hive in 2021. And this month we are prepping our members to move into 2021 in a way that is confident and hope giving and empowering. I'm so glad that you listened to the show. I really hope that you listening to one of my heroes was as enjoyable and helpful and inspiring for you as it was for me. Thank you for taking the time and thank you for sharing the show. At the end of this month, I'm going to share a couple um, special uh, gifts to people who have left reviews on the show. So if you haven't done that ever, I would love for you to do that. Go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave me a rating and review. I'd be so grateful. I love to hear your feedback. I will see you soon. In the meantime, keep growing and remember life is about progress, not perfection. So Carolyn, I am going to do something selfish and just for me, can you read that book and maybe, or that poem and then page 19, and then maybe I'll include it, include it as an after, oh, after, afterward almost, oh, if that's of okay. Of course. And that way I could always have, you know, your, what you read to me. Absolutely. And it would be good for you to say, you know, I, I, I hadn't planned on asking her to read this because it sort of felt a little immodest to me. But what we're talking about here is forgetting our modesty about things and just putting ourselves mm-hmm. out there. And I'm pleased and proud to know that Carolyn Pearson wrote a poem that included me. Me, Monica Becker. I will say it. Okay. The case of the disappearance of God the Mother. My friend Monica, 
so beautiful, so smart, so hungry for her mother, was viscerally fearful that her own eternal journey would leave her disappeared just like her mother. And I have seen tears in her eyes. If the disappearance of the mother happened in my house or the house of my friend, I would call the police. I would shout that something criminal had happened. But the disappearance of the mother of us all from the house in heaven seems to have occurred without much excitement, much notice even, and so very, very long ago. It looked to be a cold case indeed. And when we finally petitioned the authorities, the officers at the station were very reluctant to stir things up. However, Monica and I, both smart and hungry women, knew there was something fishy going on and we went over their heads and we learned some things from documents hidden in dark places. And we also spoke to some higher ups, the very highest ups. And the first thing we must tell you is this, she was never gone that half of God can disappear is beyond absurd, as is the notion of separation in the house of God, for God is love and love is indivisible. And the second thing we must tell you is this, we found her. We called out and she answered. She was at home and receiving. Her disappearance was a sham, a story developed by men throughout history, men who coveted because, you know, if God is male, the male is God. She never left her place in heaven or her place on earth. Only her name was stolen. She defies dimensions and will be where she will be. And the truth that the kingdom of God is within is the clue that Monica and I followed as we searched. And it was there that she answered. She is within. And she fills us heart and mind. She fills the galaxies, the stars and the spaces, as does he. She fills the chapels and temples, as does he, and the mosques and the synagogues and the huts and the homes. She adores the sound of the organ and the choir and the bells and the chanting and the humming and the clapping and the praying. She is present, but not accounted for. And the only crime committed was not a crime against her but a crime against humanity, her family, a crime committed by humanity, her family. Her name was stolen, but what's in a name? We could eat bread if it had no name, but it would be harder to ask for. And how lovely it is to know 
that my daily bread bears her aroma. And to know that all my blessings flow through her hands as well as his. Let us welcome her with words. She has missed the sound of her children's voices. Let us grasp her and never let go. The men will suddenly understand that the ache was for her. The emptiness they felt was for her and they never knew and therefore the tears. It is our privilege to tell them. And it is our obligation to write the story. Let us call her mother, goddess, first woman, eternal comforter. Our shouts will be joyful and our songs will celebrate that the queen of heaven also is queen of earth and the family is whole once more. What a gift and a gift that you have, but also a gift to me. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really grateful for the years I got to spend in your presence and the years I'm going to spend this way. Monica, I, I miss, I miss those times. I miss just seeing you at church. I miss those great conversations we had. We were just getting going and then COVID, and then you up and left. So anyway, I love you, Monica, and I miss you. And, and, and Monica, listen, if you would feel to, you don't have to, but if you would feel to tell your listeners that if they want a personally autographed copy of the book, they can just go through my website, myname.com, myname.com. That on there so that they can get that. That'd be really special. Um, okay. But thank you. Thank you so much for your time. It was oh, wonderful oh, to. Bless to you. you. Bless you, my dear. Oh, let, let's just say this is to be continued sometime. To be continued, for to sure. Continued. I love you, Mom. Love you, too. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.